What's going on, guys? Um, just before we get started, I, I want to give y'all a, a quick uh, editor's note. Um, this episode was recorded uh, across multiple different sessions um, and, and multiple different weeks. Um, there are a couple things that I want to address before the episode goes underway. Uh, first of all, um, both Lucas and I are aware uh, that the NBA Finals this summer uh, was not a four-game sweep. Uh, we are aware that that was a mistake and that gets brought up later in the episode. And then, of course, um, we discuss how James Harden has not yet been traded. Um, when we recorded uh, this episode, that was, of course, the case. And then, of course, in between the time that this episode got recorded and then edited and published, uh, of course, he got traded. Um, and so that will, of course, be addressed in the next episode. And, yeah, as I mentioned before, um, this episode... Um, you know, it, it was recorded across multiple sessions and we were hoping to get a third session in two where we could talk about the James Harden trade as well as the 49ers, the World Series, Bob Melvin. Um, but we decided uh, to delay that for a later episode. Um, but, but yeah, that sort of explains um, if this episode gets a little choppy or hard to follow at some points. Um, we do apologize and that's why. Um, but nonetheless, um, I'm really excited for this episode. You know, there's a, a ton of work went into it, and there's a lot of things um, that we haven't offered before um, that we're now offering in this episode. Um, I'm really excited, and I hope you guys enjoy. Episode 23, Unentitled Sports is back, and we're very excited. Uh, last, uh, last time around this year, um, or this time of year, Last time around, last year, this is one of our best episodes. It is the 2023-2024 NBA season preview, and uh, we haven't done an episode in a little while, so we have a lot to talk about. Uh, first is Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck. Lucas, what are your thoughts? Well, i just first of all like to say um, welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. Um, it had been a little bit, but I know you're excited. This is actually my favorite episode. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think we've, we've only done it once where we had a full NBA season preview, but this is the episode where we, I feel like we bring the most to the table, mainly Ryan here. We're, we're going to get into his list of uh, full predictions for this season's um, NBA. Uh, we're going to get, we're going to get uh, final standings, final records. We're going to get MVP. We're going to get all of the above. Um, we're very excited, very excited. So I hope you're excited too. Um, Damian Lillard, though, that's obviously the biggest story of this offseason. Joining up with Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee, a move that not a lot of people expected. It was sort of kind of on the back burner, like, well, Dame's going to go to Miami. Well, maybe he's not going to go to Miami. Have we considered maybe Milwaukee? And then all of a sudden it just happens. So um, this is where we are. I'm so excited uh, just to start off, just because this offensive duo between Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo could be the deadliest pick and roll in the entire league. Um, oh, yeah. Obviously, if you're a Bucks fan, you might be a little bit scared because you're going from a championship caliber team, a team that you know is, is good enough to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, to then something a little bit more unknown. But the upside of Damian Lillard, I think, is something that you just can't deny. And uh, if you want to win a chip, another chip that is, I think that this is the right move. And I think that I would be incredibly excited if I was a Milwaukee Bucks fan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you nailed it. Um, I think Dame is a, is a top three point guard in the league, probably not number three either. 
Um, and yeah, what he what he brings to an offense is insane. And really, the only person who can do it better is Steph Curry. Um, Chris Paul, also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and yeah, he he adds an element to the Bucks um, that they didn't have before. You know, that sort of you know um, that that point guard who could do it all on offense. Um, they didn't really have that. Um, and they, they, they have a top, they, they brought in another top 10 player in the NBA and no matter what, honestly, you know, I'm, I'm overthinking it, uh, no matter what kind of player he is, um, if you can put a top 10 player in the NBA with a top two player in the NBA, you know, don't overthink it. You're in good shape. Um, yeah, you're in a pretty one, good spot, right? Yeah. Um, one, one thing I do find funny though, about the butterfly effect of the Damian Lillard trade is that, um, you know, the bucks did it to get better than the Celtics. And then Drew Holiday ends up in Boston, which is also an upgrade for the Celtics. And now they're probably on par with each other once again. Um, and I can imagine, I can imagine the Bucks going, all right, I just really hope that Boston doesn't, you know, find a way to get better. And they did. Um, yeah. so Drew Holiday uh, ending up in Boston, I think is a is a really funny after effect of the Damian Lillard trade. Um, but I think both teams got better. Um, you know, with, with Milwaukee, um, you know, losing Drew Holiday does kind of stink. I think he's, I've, I've slowly come to agree that he is probably one of the most unsung heroes in the NBA. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And, and the perimeter defense does get worse going from uh, Damian Lillard to, or sorry, from Drew Holiday to Damian Lillard, but all Dame really needs to do is just face guard whoever he's guarding. And if, and if he wants to go, you know, if, if he wants to go, if he wants to go by him, um, you know, you're going to have to score on Giannis, Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez in the paint. So just face guard oh. whoever, whoever you can at the perimeter and then let, let them blow by you because, you know, exactly you the best interior defense in the NBA and, and you're what right. good, what good point guards are going to torch, are going to torch Damian Lillard in the Eastern conference in the playoffs. Peyton Pritchard. Um, yeah. no, I mean, I mean, Trey Young yeah, might, but you like Trey Young, Tyler hero, um, you know, the, the, I think that I agree that the point guard, the point guard stack over there offensively, at least, isn't crazy. Maybe I'm missing someone. I mean, Tyrese Maxey, that's probably the guy that that maybe Donovan Mitchell. If Donovan Mitchell, if the Cavs take a step this year. Yeah. If the Cavs take a step this year, I can see the Cavs, you know, kind of exposing an Achilles that, that the Bucks have. But I mean, a lot needs to happen for the Cavs just to get good enough for that conversation yeah. to yeah. to kind of gain legitimacy. Same with Atlanta. You know, like they have they have the player who could find the Achilles for the Bucks, But in order for that conversation to be taken seriously, Atlanta as a team needs to get a lot better. And um, is he going to find the Achilles four games out of seven? I, I certainly doubt it. Um, yeah. No disrespect to Trey Young. Um, and and, he, and here's the thing. Whatever Trey Young can do to Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard can do right back to him. Probably a little bit worse. A little so, bit better. Yeah. yeah. So um, I agree. We were talking about the defenses here. I think there's there's kind of a switch in defensive philosophy, at least in my mind, like before with the Celtics, you had Rob Williams, who was this anchor down low. And you had Marcus Smart, who, who was sort of this guy that you thought was this lockdown point guard defender. I never really considered him that, you know, I, I feel like the top point guards in the league never really were scared of Marcus Smart. Um, right. So, so th <laughs> their offensive philosophy was guard the wings really well and trust that Rob Williams is going to be down low to block a shot or to, um, you know, affect a shot in a way where it's going to, it's going to make it a lot harder for them to score. Um, you then change that philosophy to now we have this lockdown point guard defender uh, in Drew Holiday. And you look at one through five defensively, 
this is insane. Like you have yeah. Drew Holiday, you have Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum, you have Kristaps Porzingis, who is one of the best uh, rim protectors in the entire league. Yeah, insane. Yeah. Um, and then I'm I'm missing someone else here. Who's who's the Al Horford? Well, if, who's a very if, solid? If, yeah. If they if they go big, then Horford and excuse me, Horford and uh, um, Horford and and Porzingis start, and if they go small. Mm-hmm. Then they probably put Derek White in the mix. Derek White, Peyton point. Pritchard, or, you know who who aren't terrible who aren't terrible defenders. But basically, you have these. Or, like, well, if I don't think I don't think Pritchard's like I don't think Pritchard's going to be in the mix much because you know you either go you know Drew at the one and Jalen at the two, or you go Derek White at the one, uh, Drew at the two, and Jalen at the three. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I just know that I think that they paid Pritchard. Um, so that just makes me think that he's probably going to be <laughs> That's true. Uh, playing basketball. But like, you know, he'll probably most likely be a, a seventh I think man. I think he'll be their seventh man. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but case, I think when push comes case. to shove, the, the yeah. Celtics are going to rely on that on those six guys. You have you have floor. very good one-on-one defenders on the Celtics. And it's it's sort of like who are you going to go at? Who are you going to beat? Like, like you can't really pick anyone who's who's not like a, a defensive uh lockdown player with the Celtics now then the o- opposite side of that coin in Milwaukee where you had before a defense where it was um or sorry yeah, sorry you five. had before where you had you had one through five now you kind of have to shift to that force everyone towards Giannis towards Brooke Lopez two defensive player of the year candidates um uh, who are who are absolutely elite uh down low so uh, and I think is good too if, if you know when he comes off the bench. Totally, totally, totally. So I think you can actually get away with um, hiding Damian Lillard in this defense, and it doesn't take too much away um, compared to what you're getting on offense, which I think is a, is a much much uh, a much bigger upgrade than it is a downgrade on defense. I think it's yeah. going to be a question of coaching, um, which coach is able to switch up the defensive philosophy um, and sort of solidify that by by playoff time. Um, it always takes a couple years for teams. I've, I've always said this, like, it's not going to be the first year for a team. Um, but one of these teams, it might be, you know, you, you've got the same core in, on, on both sides, you know, you've still got Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, um, Chris Middleton Middleton over there. And then in, in Boston, obviously you still have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So, um, uh, which team is going to seamlessly transition? That's my answer to who's going to be the best team in the West or in the East. Um, and uh, Ryan, I think you wanted to, to get um, quickly into something that you did personally. Maybe not. Yes. Uh, happen in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll be talking about, you know, we'll be talking plenty about, you know, the Bucks and the Celtics who we think is better uh, in short time. Uh, but going back to, you know, you brought him up, Rob Williams, um, you know, the opposite side of this blockbuster trade. We got Rob Williams. We got Malcolm Brogdon. Um, we got DeAndre Ayton in Portland. And I got to speak uh, not with Ayton, but I did get to speak with uh, Robert Williams, um, Malcolm Brogdon and head coach Chauncey Billups. Um, the Portland Trailblazers visited uh, the the best campus on, on, on the planet, UC Santa Barbara, uh, two weeks ago. And um, and I, I used my position of high prestige and honor as a sports reporter and anchor at UCSB TV. Um, I was given media access um, and I got to go into their practices and, you know, the, uh, they're called scrum interviews and they're honestly pretty self-explanatory. But, you know, for all of our uh, more mentally handicapped listeners, um, (laughs) it's more basically, basically, uh, (laughs) it's basically, um, 
you know, what, you know, it, it's those, it's when an athlete's up against the wall and then all the reporters stand in a sort of half circle around him really close and just, you know, bang, bang questions. Um, so I got to be a part of that. Um, and, uh, uh, exclusive. Well, yes, exclusive. Yes. Exclusive to, uh, to, uh, UCSB TV and unentitled sports. Um, and, and yeah, so we'll, we'll get some insight, um, into into you know the blazers you know first of all you know what they're you know what what they're doing in santa barbara and then you know the basketball itself you know what they plan on doing with their new pieces what they plan on doing as a team and then as a franchise um exclusive insight into that on unentitled sports for now um we'll just we'll just stick to what we got and that that'll probably happen before uh before james harden gets traded um likely yes because uh yeah we you know a, a big thing uh that we were waiting on uh, as unentitled sports uh, staff uh, for this summer was, um, you know, to see where uh, Dame and James Harden end up. And, you know, Dame got traded a couple weeks ago now. We haven't done an episode since because we were hoping this would sort of start a domino effect uh, that would have James Harden traded by now or the start of the season. Um, and it doesn't look like that's happening. Um, and it seems like Philadelphia, just as they were with Ben Simmons, they're ready to, you know, dig their heels in and, you know, make this a, a battle of attrition and, and, you know, and, and hunker down, um, which I, I think is, you know, I, I, I don't like it. Um, not, not because, well, not just because um, it doesn't give us stuff to talk about. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, it's like the, the longer you wait to trade James Harden, the more stupid shit he does and the more trade value, uh, the more his trade value uh, depreciates. And, and here, here, you know, if I'm James Harden, you know, I, I think this is dumb on both the Sixers and James Harden. You know, I think the Sixers should want to trade James Harden as quick as possible before the media, before media, you know, leeches like me get a hold of it and, uh, you know, make, you know, stir up all this drama that depreciates his trade value. Um, you know, the Sixers should want to get rid of him before that happens. And James Harden, you know, James Harden doesn't strike me as the sharpest tool in the shed, but he's been around the block a couple times now. And he well, should know that the more stupid shit that he does, the harder it is to for to for a team to meet uh, the Sixers asking price. So well, it, I, it, I don't I mean, James Harden, that's never been his his M.O. You know, we've got I think it's like <laughs> a it's an unstoppable force meets an immovable object <laughs> because it's the unstoppable force of James Harden doing all the shit that he possibly can to get traded. And Daryl Morey, who is the immovable object, who does not give a fuck, who's just going to like sit on his assets until the best deal comes along. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I feel like we're in for the biggest like James Harden yeah, incident. Game of, incident. Yeah, um, game of yet. chicken. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, because I don't think Daryl Moore is going to go fuck. Like, we saw what happened with, with Ben Simmons, and it ended up working out. You know, like they got the best deal possible. I think out of that, um, that whole situation, and I think it's only propelled him to do the same here. It's like, like, why would he, why would he give in when he knows that he's won in the past, and 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 uh, just because it's a new opponent in James Harden who might have a little bit of experience with this, doesn't yeah. mean that the champ is going down. Um, on James <laughs> Harden's side, he's like. He's wanted this too. Like I, this is like a heavyweight matchup. Like it's so sick. Like both teams are, or both sides are undefeated at um, yeah, getting you know what those, they want. You know those memes where it's like the the WWE intro with John Cena and uh yeah. and The Rock. It's it's like that. Yeah. Voice, voice is in the air. <laughs> Hear him loud and clear. Yeah. Um, I think um I think something that does make this different for Daryl Morey though is that I think Joel Embiid is a lot more impatient this time around. Um, and and it, you have to try a lot harder to keep him happier 
and in Philadelphia. Cause I, I think, you know, I, I don't think it takes a detective to, to know that, you know, uh, Joel Embiid is, is a little discontent with the situation in Philly right now. And he wants to win. And if he feels like this franchise isn't doing everything it can do to win right now, and that's, you know, liquidating James Harden and getting other pieces to build around Embiid. Um, you know, if, if, if Embiid doesn't feel like they're doing that, um, then he's, he's not going to be happy, you know, like Embiid is going to feel like this year is another year to win it or another opportunity to win a championship. And if they don't do something about Harden soon, it's going to be a wasted year. And I don't think, I don't think Embiid is going to be happy about that. Again, this is like a, like a, a difference of perspective because I agree with that. That is the situation that the 76ers are in where Embiid feels that way. And the reality, in my opinion, is that Embiid is the reason why they're not winning championships. It's not because they haven't gone out and acquired pieces like, I don't know, James Harden to try to pair with Embiid in, in like a perfect fashion, like have like a elite uh, shooting guard to pair with the best big in the league, apparent, according to the 76ers. Um, but what happens in the playoffs? Embiid doesn't fucking show up. Tyrese Maxey is the best player on the 76ers. Like Embiid, if you'd like to win a championship, you should try being the best player on your team. You should try playing at the same level that you apparently can play at Mr. MVP. This is fucking bullshit. Like uh, he, he is, he is the most fraudulent player in the entire league right now when it comes to the playoffs. And, and some people might want to say, some might want to say Chris Paul, shut the fuck up. Chris Paul tries. Chris Paul has gotten hurt. Okay. Chris Paul has been on, has had, has been disappointed by his, his teammates. Okay. He hasn't played great. Joel Embiid straight up. He does not have a championship because he sucks in the playoffs. It's his fault. It's his fault. Daryl Morey, I think if, if Daryl Morey is smart, Daryl Morey should allow Joel Embiid to feel upset. And if Joel Embiid, you know, if, 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 if the, the product of Daryl Morey waiting to get the best deal out of James Harden is that Joel Embiid thinks Daryl Morey isn't doing enough to win him a championship, then Joel Embiid could get the fuck out because hopefully there's a team in the league that thinks that Joel Embiid is as good as Joel Embiid thinks he is. And they're willing to pay top notch, top dollar. And if that happens, guess what? Daryl Morey is going to wait for the right deal. And we're going to wait an entire season, maybe two for Daryl Morey to get the best deal for Joel Embiid and James Harden. And then we're going to go back to the tank process and it's going to be epic. And I, th I would rather watch that than another fucking season of Joel Embiid getting bounced in the second round and complaining that it's not his fault. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but if 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 you're a 76ers fan, if you're a 76ers player, if you're a 76ers front office member, do you want to go through another five year rebuild just to get a team that tops out in the second round again? When you have like, here's the thing: you yeah. have you have everything you could ever want and ever ask for to win a championship now. So if you can't do that, don't you know? Don't start over and try to get better pieces again in five years because you won't. You I mean, but, but let me ask let me ask you this question. Are the 76ers a championship contender this year? Um, I think I, I think they have enough assets to be. I don't, I, I think they but, need to make but, some changes. But like you know, the answer really is no. Like like no. the Sixers. But here's the thing. Champions. But here's the thing. Joel Embiid doesn't think that, and I don't think Daryl Morey thinks that either. I think they both think know, they can win. I don't know, man. I feel like Daryl Morey is kind of a savage. Like I feel like he, <laughs> I I think he's just like down. Like I think he's down for the for the the goon activity of like just going back to another rebuild and I guess, trying like, again 
and and yeah, and then and then get the fuck out of Philly, and he can go. He can go yeah, no, he can go force just, another team into a rebuild. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a, I know. I saw. I saw. I saw this video from like I think it was the Athletic or something like that. And they they make good smart stuff. Um, and it's just like at the end of the day, like rebuilding. Like like there there are teams and the A's. The A's are honestly one of them. They rebuild to get good teams, so they mm-hmm. can then rebuild again. You know, they don't rebuild. Right. They don't rebuild to get good teams. They get good teams so they can rebuild. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a that's a tough spot. That's and, a tough and, spot. And, 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 and like and here's you would the, thing, say the Billy... process is is Joel Embiid, right? You get that number one pick, the guy who is the MVP that actually yeah. should take the championship finally. Like you ha- you have an MVP. Yeah. You know, it's like you can't you can't ask for a better deck of. I mean, there are better decks of cards than the Sixers have right now, but you realistically can't ask for one. Um, well, if I was a 76ers fan, I would be an Eagles fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. My, my thing with the 76ers is I think that I think that ownership group and the roster and, you know, I, I will I will concede to you that Daryl Morey might be smarter than what meets the eye. Um, but I don't think everyone else in Philadelphia is. I think then the delusional fantasy land they live in, um, the expectation is to win a championship this year but they have to make some steps to get there. And I don't think that they will. Um, Cause it's like, realistically, like who, like who can you like, who wants James Harden and is willing to pay the price that the 76ers are asking for? Cause realistically he's not worth that price anymore. And like, except like a, a James Harden with therapy might be better than whatever they can get for him. Yeah. James Harden. I don't know. I don't know about James Harden. I think you might be right. That at the end of the day, the 76ers are just doomed to another season of of Joel Embiid losing in the second round. Yeah. We might just I mean, be getting this for the rest of his career. Yeah. I mean, yeah, here's the thing. You know, obviously James Harden is not the player that he once was, but he's still a good NBA player. And, you know, he can be this. I think James Harden can be the second best player on the championship team. Um, and like I, I think Philadelphia needs to find a way to get the most out of James Harden. Um, because you know, letting him not play this year and not trading him wastes a year of Joel Embiid's prime, which is the last thing you should want to do right now. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, I won't go as far as, as you will in that, like getting rid of Embiid is a step towards the solution. No, I, I won't agree with you on that. Um, and, and yeah, I don't think you can afford to waste a year of Embiid's prime because he can be the best player in a championship team. You just want to fucking MVP. Um, it's a bullshit MVP. Um, it, it, it was it was it was a bullshit MVP. That's fact. Yeah. But 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 at the end of the day, like you you can't you can't waste a year of um, Embiid's Embiid's prime um, because you have to treat him like the player that you need to lead you to a championship. You have no other choice because um, you've invested so much into that already, um, and it's still a possibility. Um, and so yeah, you have you have to figure out a way to get as much as you can for James Harden um as soon as possible or convince him to play in Philly. And you know, if neither of those things are possible, then yes, Philadelphia is fucked. Well, 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 well. We will see. We will see. If James Harden gets traded, we're gonna have to hop on for another episode and yep. talk about this, the future of the 76ers, which I feel like we yes. talk about a lot. Uh we are back from our uh, now semi-regular laundry hiatus. Um, and we're ready. We're ready to just dive right in. Um, you know, buckle your seatbelts, get ready. Uh, cause here it is, you know, the, the, the year's best, uh, unentitled sports 
uh, episode and segment now underway. Um, so Lucas, as you can see, um, here, my, uh, regular season standings. We'll start in the East. Um, I've got Milwaukee and Boston, uh, as the one and two, I actually have them as the same record. Uh, but for whatever reason, I have the bucks, uh, winning the tiebreaker between the two. Um, I've got Cleveland as the three seed. Um, I like how they kept their group together. I like how they added a little bit of depth. Um, I don't see this Cleveland team getting worse from last year. I see it, uh, taking a step towards, um, that, that uh that hope that glimmer that i saw in them uh a year ago um i've got miami uh at the four seed and everyone's like oh miami was in the finals last year but they were also an eight seed last year and they lost like eight of their last 11 games um and miami didn't do anything to get better and if you want to be a good team in the nba you got to keep getting better every offseason and miami didn't do that they didn't go get anyone um you know, they've still got, a, they, they, they lost a couple pieces. They lost Gabe Vincent. They lost, they lost Max, uh, Struess, um, and they didn't really get better. Um, and I still have them jumping up several seeds. Um, well, 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 let me, I, I really have a, a take about the Miami heat and what you were just saying there. I agree with what you're saying, all of your reasoning as to why, the Miami Heat didn't get much better. They they lost Gabe Vincent. They lost they lost Max Struess. They didn't add anyone very significant. They're going to get Tyler Hero back, but um, I don't think that that moves the needle too much. My opinion on the Miami Heat is that they will not be in the playoffs. Um, Miami, yes, they were they were great in the playoffs. They stepped up when they needed to. But you're right, they were an eight seed last year. They barely made the playoffs, coming from the play in tournament. And they got worse. So how are we expecting their regular season to go better than it did last year? If anything, I would be shocked if they made the playoffs. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like they, they, like you said it yourself. You said it yourself. They were an eight seed last year. They've gotten worse. If you're looking at the regular season, doesn't that mean that they're a nine or a ten seed? I mean, this is this is the way I see it. I don't see them as an eight seed that got worse. I see them as a finals team that got worse. But but it's a regular it's the regular season. Like like can can you give me the argument as to why this team that is worse than last year will do better in the regular season? Because I think last year's regular season was a fluke. You think that the, the 82 games of the regular season was a fluke? I do. Because Miami does not, this every year. The, Miami does this every beginning. year. Ryan, remember remember our, our finals uh, uh conclusion episode last year where we went off and we mentioned that the Miami Heat were something like two and nine in their last 11 games in the playoffs, right? How they, how they had, had, uh, it really underperformed, like whatever it was, they, they won, um, they lost three games in a row against, uh, against the Celtics. They lost three games in a row against Celtics. They won one game and then they won and then they lost four. So that what that's one and seven, right. To end, to end the playoffs. Would you not argue that maybe the, I don't know, 15, no, less than that, like uh, 10 game sample size that they had before then, maybe that was the fluke. Maybe that was just like us thinking that they're, they're better than they are. Maybe that was just Jimmy Butler playing at his absolute finest um, that he will ever play for his whole career. And this team actually isn't that good. And now we're minus two of the key, key players in this team that made them actually good. Then I make the playoffs, bud. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, hey, 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 I, I know that my take isn't, my take might not be super popular. Everyone watched the Miami Heat last year go to the finals and be the darlings that everyone wanted them to be. Everyone was a Miami Heat fan. I was a Miami Heat fan. We all talked about it. 
But at the end of the day, they got swept. They got swept. They didn't win a single game. They're not a good team. The 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 Denver Nuggets, right? That is a good team. That is a team that is well oiled. They win games in the regular season. They win them in the playoffs because they're good at defense. They are good at offense. They know how to win in every every single scenario. The Miami Heat were a good team because Jimmy Butler played his ass off in the first two rounds of the playoffs. Um, so I, I, yes, I know it's it's a it would be a rare occurrence. It might be a rare occurrence that a team would make the finals and then miss the playoffs afterwards, but. It's also a rare occurrence for an eight seed to make the finals. Um, I, and that's just my opinion. I'm looking at their over-under right now uh, for wins on the season. Their over-under sits at 44.5. Um, your rankings, you have them at 52 wins. So you're very high on them um, compared to compared to Vegas. And uh, I'm actually low on them compared to Vegas. I would say that um, my... My estimate of the Miami Heat wins would be somewhere around uh, 41. Okay. Everything you said is true. Everything you said, I did consider legitimately, okay. genuinely. Okay. However, there are just two, there are, there are two things for me that just them alone out, outweigh, outweigh the fact that, you know, every, that just everything you said, everything you said is true. I just don't think it holds the magnitude of everything I'm about to say. One, Miami does this. They've been doing this for ever since LeBron left. They have good regular season, bad regular season, good regular season, bad regular season, good regular season, bad regular season. They're going to have a good regular season this year. You know, Miami isn't one of those teams that always underperforms in their regular season and then plays like the team that they should be in the playoffs. No, they're a team that does that half the time. And then the other half of the time they turn into the Memphis Grizzlies and try to win every single goddamn regular season game. Um, and, and this is their, this is their year for that. It is a, it is an even year. Um, and, mm-hmm. um, and this is, this is the second and biggest and biggest point for me. They made the goddamn finals last year. Okay. All right. And and they still okay. have Jimmy Butler. They still have Bam Adebayo. They still have Kyle Lowry. They still have Kevin Love. They still have Caleb Martin. They have Tyler Hero coming back. I'm okay. I'm okay with Miami first round exit, but they're not gonna miss the playoffs. Well, well, Ryan, um, you know, I your argument is that it goes good season, bad season. If that's the argument you want to make, okay. I can't argue with that because that's not. You know, they're like, okay, all right. If you think that those are the vibes and those are the vibes, what I will do is I will will make an edit. I will make an edit to my take. I'm not going to say that the Miami Heat are going to miss the playoffs. I will say that they will be a nine or 10 seed in the play in tournament based on regular season seeding. I think that they would miss the playoffs, but obviously they stepped up in the playoffs last year. They could be capable of doing such, such a thing again. If they make the play in tournament, I'm confident that they will win. Um, so, so I think that they will get in as an eight seed or a seven seed after being a nine or a 10 seed in the regular season. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe that, I mean, that's what I have to say. I think if they played in the West, that's, that's fair. I, there aren't, there aren't eight teams in the East better than the heat. There you know, you never, you never, you never think that there will be, you never think that there will be, but look, be like, you know, we're, we're going to get into these other teams right now. Um, and that are you know, lower on the list here. Um, the New York Knicks, for one, 
that's probably, you know, to me, that's actually a team that I think is, is going to do a little bit better than you have them. I'm, I, I could see them as a five seed. Good year, um, bad year. It's their, it's their turn for a bad year. I disagree. I would say they are getting better. They've been getting better for a while and uh, they're kind of putting it together. And they're also the Knicks. Julius Randle is, is good in the regular season. Um, he's not good in the playoffs, but he is good in the regular season. Um, yeah. And they have, they have, I don't know, they have talent, man. Um, so. Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson's him. Yeah. I don't okay, know who well, else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but looking at last year, like looking at last year, man, like. I mean, Chicago's getting worse. Toronto's getting worse. In, Indiana's not going to be better than Miami. Brooklyn's not going to be better than Miami. Like, I think, I think the lowest seed, the lowest seed for the Miami Heat within a 95% degree of confidence is, is a seven seed. All right, that's understandable. I think that Vegas has them projected um, to be the five seed, actually, because they have the Hawks projected. No, no, they have, um, sorry, they have they have the Knicks projected for more wins than the Heat. Um, but uh, pretty close behind them are the Hawks at uh, 42.5 projected wins compared to the Heat's 44.5 projected wins. Um, yeah, we will see. We'll see. I, you know, this might be a, this might be a whiff on my, I don't, I don't really know. We will see. Oh, they I think it's going to be a big swing and a miss. But I, again, my argument, you're just is a hater, man. You hate the culture. They were an eight seed and they got You worse. hate the vibes. No, you're, you just, you just don't like basketball. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> All right, let's continue on. Let's, let's yes, let's, on let's. um, so yeah. So, right. You know, so, um, we already talked about uh, Milwaukee and Boston plenty, uh, Miami and Philadelphia as well. Do you have any, th- any comments about Cleveland at the three seed? Uh, no, I actually really like Cleveland as a three seed. Um, I would, I, I think that you're right where you, you have, you know, you have Milwaukee and Boston at 64 wins and, and Cleveland at 53. Um, it's kind of become, in my opinion, a two, uh, a two horse race in the East. And 100%. those are the teams that are clearly, clearly better than everyone else. Um, Cleveland, you know, I, I, I would, I would argue that they're probably the third strongest team. You never uh-huh. end up, you never really know where they're going to end up in the, in the standings when it comes to the 76ers uh, who might be good. You know, the Knicks actually played pretty well last season. I've obviously done on the heat, but um, uh, so, you know, I, th- I could see the, the Cavaliers ending up anywhere from three to five and I would bet that they would probably be around three. Um, they have a very good roster. Yeah. I think, I think by, you know, I think right now, you know, like, or, and right now really being, you know, last May or June, um, cause there hasn't been basketball since, you know, you, you have a tough time saying Cleveland's better than Miami and Philadelphia, but I think between next week and, and, uh, April or May, uh, Cleveland becomes the best team in the East. That's not Milwaukee or Boston. Um, you know, what, you know, cause it's like, why not? They, they don't have, they don't have an excuse not to this year. Um, um, anyways, moving on. Um, you know, so I have Miami at four, Philadelphia at five. We've already talked about them. Uh, Atlanta at six with 45 wins. Yeah, not much to say about Atlanta. Atlanta's yep. just been running back this mid ass team for a long time now, yep. and yep. they keep trying to make big really moves. They're, really, they're really their whole franchise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I so think, I think what we sort of, what we sort of hoped on, hoped from uh, Atlanta last year I, I think they took a step in the right direction towards realizing that you know that like there's a you know a, a lot of uh hope for them when they got Dejounte Murray and you know they're 
they didn't blow it up. So, you know, good, good for them. You know, um, you know, New York at seven. Um, I think, I think like, here's the thing. I, I do agree that New York you know, with you, that New York's a good team. And I think this is going to be a good team that kind of has a bad season. And that's why I have them at the seven seed with 44 wins. I think it's going to be a good team. I, I recognize that they're a good team. I think they'll just have a bad season because they're the New York Knicks. Um, and a good team having a bad season is a seven seed with 44 wins. Um, fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. If you want to say that they're going to be a good team that's having a bad season, I, I would, I would say they're a good team and I think that they're going to have an all right season. Um, yeah. and to me, that puts them at a, a five seed, maybe, maybe a six or maybe a, a, a four. Um, we will see when it comes to the Knicks. Uh, I think that we both have a, a, a similar evaluation of them. Um, but just you know, however the the turntables. Yes. Yeah. Different. Uh, different forecasts of their fortunes, if if, if yes. you will. Um, I've got Chicago and Toronto at eight and nine. Um, these two teams love being, you know, too good to tank, but too bad to win. Um, and uh, they didn't really mix anything up. Um, Toronto did lose Fred Van Vliet. Um, so I like now that I now that I kind of think about it, I think I'm a little generous with Toronto. Um, because they're they're really putting it all on Pascal Siakam. Um mm-hmm. and and Chicago, you know, Chicago, you know, like they have good players, but they just can't put it together without Lonzo Ball. Um, but at the end of the day, the East really isn't that good. Um and uh, I remember I remember, you know, like the last two or three years were kind of like, all right, you know, the balance of power is restored, the Eastern Conference doesn't suck anymore. I feel like it's now that Miami and Philly kind of got worse and Brooklyn sucks now. They'll suck, but you know, now that Brooklyn's not Brooklyn anymore, I think the East kind of sucks again outside of yeah. in Boston. Um, and yeah, I think that's going to give some, I think, I, I think just the East sucking gives teams like Chicago and Toronto, you know, teams with talent and not a whole lot else. Um, I think that gives those teams the opportunities to go 500 and squeak in. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this tier here is, is a tough tier to watch. Um, yeah. Some of the worst teams in the league are are over here in the East in this bottom tier. I, I, yep. You know, the West, the low West teams are a lot stronger than the low East teams this year. Let's yeah. just say, maybe excluding the Rockets. Um, but, um, oh, he's got the Trailblazers pretty low too. I yeah. well, we'll get into that. Um, yeah, yeah. But 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 there is one team. I, I, we can kind of skip over these these next guys. I don't think we need to go into the to yeah the, the I individuals mean, of the Hornets, the right. Wizards. Yeah, uh, I can just give, give I, a quick little take. You, know, you can you can tell tell the records real quick, um, and and their standings. And then I'll go ahead and give my. Or um, yeah, all, all I'm yeah. Rebuttal. I mean, I I agree. Um, you know, I've sort of got Indiana and Brooklyn in that same tier. You know, in in the same tier together, they're not. You know, they're 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 in a, they're in a worse spot than Chicago and Toronto. You know, uh, not bad enough to tank, but really not good enough to win. Um, and then you know you've got Orlando, Detroit, Charlotte, and Washington in the tankathon. I've got Washington uh, as the worst team in the regular season. Um, I do want to say, though, I think Jordan Poole is going to put up at least 20, you know, I think he's going to put up 25 a game. Um, and that's going to just translate to very few wins. Um, um, yeah. So big, big things for Jordan Poole this year. Um, y'all know how I feel about Jordan Poole. Um, yeah. We've talked a lot big, about Jordan yeah, Poole. Not many big things going on in Washington outside of that. Yeah. Um, so just, just to, give my opinion on on these teams right here you know there's one team in this in this tier that i actually and my in my own personal rankings i have a lot higher than you have mm-hmm. um and it's partially because this you know the shit fest that's going on in the bottom of the east but it's also partially because 
they are on the up and up and just watching them in the few games that I have watched them. Um, I think that they're actually a pretty solid team. They have really good young, a really good young core that is getting better. And uh, before I call on you, Ryan, I know you've got your hand up right now. I just want to just name drop this team. No, I want to see if I can guess it. I want to see if I can guess it. Okay, sure. Is it Detroit? No, it is not Detroit. It is the Orlando Magic. Um, The Orlando Magic have two of the best young players in the league in Paulo Bancaro and Franz Wagner, um, who were playing very well towards the end of the season. Here is a fun stat that I don't have in front of me. I'm just going to recite what I remember from this stat. It was something like, the second half of last year, the Orlando Magic had a plus record above 500. It was something like that. It was, they had won, I think that they had won more, one more game than they had lost um, after the All-Star break last year. Uh, Orlando, I think, can continue that. Like, I think if there's any team that's going to leapfrog these others, you know, we got the Pacers that are, are, are going to be not great. The Raptors are getting worse. The Bulls are getting worse. I am going to call it right here. The Orlando Magic are making the playoffs. Um, I'm very excited about Orlando. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of teams, a lot of people, you know, they've been so bad for so long now. Um, But I really do believe in these two guys in Paulo and Franz. The guys around them aren't great. Uh, You've got a couple, you know, a couple um, good players. I believe Wendell Carter is there, you know, uh, what's his name? The number one overall pick, uh, who was bad for a long time. Markel Fultz. All right. Markel Fultz is doing a little bit better now. Um, Jalen Suggs, so, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, who I don't, I don't really believe in Jalen yeah, Suggs. Suggs. Yeah. But Cole, Cole Anthony is a decent role player. These guys around them aren't great, but I think that they're good enough, especially in this terrible East to, um, maybe make an eight seed. So I'm excited yeah. about them. Um, so, uh, so Lucas, you you really think with a, a declining Chicago and Toronto, an unproven Indiana, a de- heavily declining Brooklyn, and you know I, we know what you think about Orlando, but you know also Detroit, Charlotte, and Washington. You think with all those declining and just outright bad teams, you still think you still think Miami doesn't crack the top eight? Okay, maybe I hadn't looked at it that deeply, but 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 I'm just going based on this fact: the Miami Heat were an eight seed; they got worse. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all, right. all right, let's let's uh, let's take things out west. Um, I've got the Phoenix Suns as the best team in the Western Conference, um, and because they're they're just really they're really good they're they're really good. Um, and they sort of addressed um, their issue of depth um, with the DeAndre Ayton trade. Uh, they got some serviceable depth, uh, some a little bit of youth, um, and they just got a slightly worse version of DeAndre Ayton. Um, who is Yusef Nurkic? But if Yusef Nurkic is the is the fourth worst starter on your team, you'll be fine um, because you've you've got Devin Booker, you've got Bradley Beal, you've got Kevin Durant, um, and who else? Who else starts for that team? Uh, 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 I actually don't know who would be the point thought, guard for that team because I, I thought that. Well, I think it's Booker. Um, I guess yeah, Booker would probably be the point guard. But the, or I mean, Beal Beal can run point two. I'm gonna get into my opinion on the Suns, but this kind of has to do with it, you know, where you have role players, but you're wondering who's gonna be the point guard, and it's probably gonna be Bull Bull. Looking at the list, no, <laughs> yeah. Um, Damian Lee, Grayson Allen. Ready. Grayson Allen's <laughs> the guy. Uh, I think in, in this situation, it's probably Grayson yeah. Allen. D Lee, D Lee. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Um. um yeah, I, I can go ahead and, and, and just give my take here. 
Um, yeah. I'm not as high on the Suns. I, I think that the Suns will be good. I agree with your take that this DeAndre Ayton move was good for them. Yusuf Nurkic, not that much of a, a step down. DeAndre Ayton wasn't really flourishing ever since um, the 2021 playoffs. You know, he's kind of just stayed exactly Staggered. where he was. Yeah. Um, and he, he was getting paid a lot that maybe he shouldn't have been getting paid. They have so much money now on their roster between three players. Um, their depth is still not good. That's something I would like to say. They're, they're, yeah. They got better, but their depth is still not good. They have a big three, and these guys are pretty injury prone. Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Um, I don't want to, like, predict injuries. I'm never that guy. Like I, I'd rather go... You know, when I give rankings, I, I pretend like injuries don't exist, but I just feel it. I feel like with these three, you have three guys who are all pretty much the same player that are all um, kind different of susceptible heights, to getting different injuries. heights of the same. Player. And if one of them, yeah. And if, if one of them goes down, you're looking at a team that's not very good. Like, like imagine you had one less guy, you know, say Devin Booker goes down. Now you have Bradley Beal and uh, Kevin Durant, two elite offensive players, obviously, but surrounded by a team that is pretty ass. Like you're going to be starting Grayson Allen. You have, you have Damian Lee, I don't know, Bull Bull, these guys coming off the bench. That's a lot of your um, roster. And that's actually going to have to make up for a significant amount of scoring. We talk about, you know, we have three potential 30 plus point scores on this team. That's never happened before. Um, but if you take one of them away, then you're like, damn, you know, where is this scoring coming from? Um, so I'm not as high as on, on the Suns as you are, but I do have them as a top team in the West. Probably, in my opinion, I would say around a three or a four seed. Yeah. Let's talk um, about your two seed. Well, 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 hold on. I'll, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I honestly think I was a little bit too high on the Bucks. Um, when I made this these predictions, um, I kind of thought they had four good players and just didn't remember who the fourth one was and didn't bother to check. Um, and I'm like, oh wait, they only have three good players. <laughs> so, yeah. so I I will admit, like, you know, if my prediction is an over under, take the under on Phoenix. Um, well, Vegas has the over under for Phoenix listed at fifty one point five. Wins. Um, Ryan yeah, has fifty-nine. Yeah, fifty-nine. Yeah. Take under on that. Um, but I do, I do have a very clear one seed in the West, and I think that that is the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, um, I, I mean they are so proven. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. You know, it's like it's every every year. You know, the best team coming into the next season is the team that won the championship. Because no shit, they yeah. just won a championship. They're coming off a championship, but. This is what I'll say. We haven't had a back-to-back champ since Steph, you know, Steph Curry in his prime, Kevin Durant in his prime, Clay Thompson in his prime, Draymond Green in his prime. It's really goddamn hard to go back-to-back in the NBA, and your team needs to be a different kind of special um, to well, go back-to-back yes. in the NBA. Yes, you're right. You're right about that. But the argument about the Denver team before was that they were a regular season team this team is only good in the regular season because they're too slow to play at a playoff speed whatever um i'm not saying that they're going to win the championship i am saying that they're going to win the championship we'll get to that later um but i think they are good enough in the regular season to um i think they'll easily be the one seed in the west they're just so polished I think they're going to take their foot off the gas a little bit in the regular season now that they have a chance you know you know i'm going to ask this question Please respond honestly. Is this because you think that Nikola Jokic doesn't care about basketball 
And you no, think he's not, not. going to try in the regular season? Okay. It's not. Good. Because I, <laughs> I, 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 that is, that. <laughs> neither do I. I do not believe yeah. that at all. And I, I don't like that uh, narrative. Yeah. Well, he's just doing it to be funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, here, here's my, here's my thing about Denver. Um, and I, I will say, you know, I, I know I've come off as not, not a Denver hater, but a Denver doubter in the past. Um, and, um, but, but here, here, you know, here it is, you know, it's like, I don't know, but for whatever reason, I'm just not going to believe it until I see it with Denver. Um, (laughs) they were the best team last year. They won the championship. I know, I know, but here's the thing, you know, after, after the Lakers won their champ, you know, after the Lakers won their championship, you know, all right, Lakers are the best team. They're going to be the one seed. After the Bucks win their championship, all right, Bucks are going to be the best team. They're going to win the, win the one seed. After the Warriors win their championship, all right, Warriors are the best team. They're going to be their one seed. It's really hard to go back to back. Teams, all right, teams tend to regress after winning a championship, and I don't think I don't think the Denver Nuggets are as good as the you know like they're not a dynasty yet, and until they are, I don't think that they're going to you know I'm not going to predict that they're going to become one until they already are. Um, and okay. like, I don't, this this Denver team isn't hasn't done enough to prove to me that they're good enough to be as good as those Warriors teams. You Spurs you teams, are those Lakers teams, those Bulls teams. You're Skip Bayless. I'm Shannon. No, no, the other way around. You're Skip Bayless. I'm Stephen A. <laughs> I'm based. All right. Yeah. What do you say? Um, uh, a, a team we don't talk about much on this podcast. I have them at the two seed. Uh, the Golden State Warriors. Um, wow. I have them. So I have them. them for one. <laughs> yeah, about time. Um, I have them at 54 wins. I have them at the two seed. Um, I think the Warriors play with some urgency this year. Um, you know, and and we we've been down this we've been down this path before. We think the Warriors um have their backs to the wall. Um, we think the Lucas has something to say. I do have something to say. I well, no, I, I I'll let you let you go ahead and finish okay. your. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this. All right. Okay. Um, the Warriors have been in this situation before, um, you know, where everyone it's over, it's done. It's gone. Oof. Say goodbye. And it's like, no, like, like Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, still Clay Thompson. Draymond Green, still Draymond Green. They got out and, you know, they went out and got Chris Paul. They still have Kevon Looney. They still have, um, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Kaminga's going to ste- get a bigger role this year. I think he's going to step up. Moody's going to get a bigger role this year. I think he's going to step up. The Warriors are set. The Warriors have enough to do what they did in 2022. And they have Chris Paul. They they have they have the best they have the best bench piece in the league. They have someone who's going to really help clean up all the bullshit that dragged them down last year. Um and and the Warriors are going to play with urgency. You know, I think the Warriors are that 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 group of guys is still a good enough team. To when they play with urgency, when they play committed, when they really fucking dig for it, they can they can be a, they can be a good team. I think that they're you know like, I think this is their last. They're gonna treat this like their last dance. Maybe not this one individual season, but they know they know that their window's closing and closing soon within the next probably two years plus or minus one. Um, and they're gonna fucking play like it. They're gonna play. They're gonna play with their backs to the wall because their backs are to the wall. But I think they're gonna rise to the challenge. I hope so, Brian. I loved everything you just said. <laughs> this is this is this is the narrative that I'm telling myself. Everything you just said, that is exactly what I'm telling myself. Like because I I love the Warriors, obviously I want them to win and I I've seen them win uh four championships and that's how I felt the entire time, you know? That that's how I felt. 
And it was like, fuck you, everyone else. Like, we're going to go back, win the championship, <laughs> suck my dick. Um, uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just not as high on the Warriors this year. The reasoning why is because um, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not saying we're going to be worse than last year. I really am not saying that. I think we are going to be better than last year. Um, but so. the best case scenario, in my mind, for this Warriors team is to be as good as we were in 2022. Um, that's the season where... You know, we had we had Andrew Wiggins kind of playing at his best, and and uh, Draymond Green was was dominating a defensively. I thought he should have been a defensive player of the year final. I think he was a defensive. Player. I thought he should have been a defensive player of the year um, that season. And Steph Curry was just fucking ridiculous. Um, I think that that's sort of the best we can ask for because you know we are an aging team now. It's like Steph Curry is what thirty five now, like. It, it, he's getting older. We have to admit this. And and Clay Thompson, he hasn't been getting much better. Um, last season was kind of a struggle for him, especially in the playoffs. I'm not saying he's not going to be good. I think he can be good. Um, and Draymond the same way. I think he can be good. But the best case scenario in my mind is Chris Paul is contributing at the same level that Jordan Poole was in 2022. And we can somehow play to that level for the whole season. I don't see it happening the same way though, just because of the age. And we have a player like Chris Paul, who's injury prone. We have Steph Curry, who's getting older. We have Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, who are both injury prone at this point. Um, so the Warriors finished 53 and 29 in 2022. When he finished as the third seed, you have them at 54 and 28 this year um, as the two seed. And I would love that, but I still see the ceiling of the Warriors to be a little bit lower. I agree that the Warriors are a proven team. They are a championship caliber team. They can get it clicking when they need to get it clicking and beat any team in the league. I agree with that. Are they going to do it in the regular season? I don't think so. I think that this is going to be another one of like last year where we're, you know, maybe we're kind of up and down throughout the regular season. And then we get to the playoffs and we're like, all right, you know, we can still win. I am hoping though, we're not going to be a second round exit to the Lakers this year. Lakers are still a bad matchup, but um, I think that the, the, my, you know what, my thing with the Warriors though, honestly, I think you're completely right. Um, now that you say it, I low, <laughs> I low key agree with you, like pretty much every step of the way, but um, you know, I think this, this Warriors, this Warriors team, their, their ceiling is about where I have them. I just think, you know, being a Warriors fan for the last 10 years, Warriors, Warriors teams usually hit their ceiling. Um, and last year was kind of the first year we didn't. Um, and I will agree with you, you know, like, like the absolute best case scenario is what happened in 2022, just a little bit worse because everyone's a little bit older. Um, and, you know, you, you, you hope, you hope Chris Paul sort of replaces what Jordan Poole provided. You hope Kaminga replaces what um, uh, Porter provided. And we still have Gary Payton <clears throat> and Moses. Yeah. Moses up. Um, and you, you know, you hope everyone plays to the same or almost the same level, um, that they played at two years ago. Um, I agree with that. I just think that the Warriors, um, will reach their ceiling, um, because that's what the Warriors tend to do. Um, so, so I, I don't, I, I think we agree on how good the Warriors are kind of like with the Knicks too. I think we agree with how good they are. Um, we just have different feelings on how close to their ceiling or floor. Um, we think that they're going to hit. And I, I think the Warriors are going to get pretty goddamn close to their ceiling this year. 
All right. Well, I hope so too. And why not put that good energy? Fuck yeah. it. Good vibes. Too we need it. We need it. Hey, ring number five coming in. Good vibes. All right. Part two of the episode. We're back. And if, if memory serves correct, we, we left off uh, just speaking on the Denver Nuggets. We pr- predict them as the three seed going 53 and 29. So up next, lots to talk about with this team as there usually is. Uh, I have the Los Angeles Lakers going 52 and 30 and finishing as the four seed. What are your thoughts, Lucas? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good evaluation of the Lakers. They had a great second half last year after making that trade. And I think in the, in this offseason, they've kind of only um, like done better. I mean, they, they re-signed Austin uh, AR-15, uh, Austin Reeves, and and they acquire Gabe Vincent, our new best friend, which oh, we'll Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent later in this episode. Um, and so basically, yeah, I mean, they, they got a lot better at the deadline last year. They are maintaining this team uh, going into this year, adding a few more pieces around them. And they're just clicking now. Like it's it's much better. It's a much better team than what they were looking at before. And they've done a great job of like turning themselves around from what seemed like a actually like a dismal situation yeah and now are absolutely in contention to be a top four seed in the west yeah um yeah yeah i i i really like what you said about you know turning it around from a dismal situation because i remember you know a year and a half ago the lakers missed the play-in and they were old and they were you know all their cap space was going to three players and they they were fucked and i I wrote a three thousand word article on how they got fucked and why they're fucked. Um, and yeah, credit credit to Rob Palinka for proving me wrong, putting me in my place. Um, I think outside of LeBron and AD, uh, I think this is the best Lakers team that they've had since LeBron came over. Um, you know, LeBron and AD are a little bit older than they were in 2020. Um, and they, you know, they really backpacked a iffy team uh to a champion you know a, a not too good team outside of them to a championship in 2020 um and and yeah when i was at the lakers practice on saturday um you know me me and mike bresnahan were talking about it um and he he agreed with me um you know outside of lebron and ad this is the best lakers team that they've had since lebron came over um the biggest difference with this team is it's it's a lot younger um you know that that team that won the championship in 2020 um was very um very uh very old a lot of experience experience yeah as some would say um and and yeah they're they're younger um but they're they're good um and and yeah so i i think this lakers team um is is legit and i i feel better about this lakers team than i have with any other lakers team since i've started uh uh following basketball um and and yeah, as as mentioned, I went to a Lakers practice a week ago. Um, got to speak with Gabe Vincent, uh, just about his his time in UC Santa Barbara, his journey through the NBA and to the Lakers. Uh, so let's let's take a listen to what he has to say. All right, what's going on, Gauchos? I'm here with Gabe Vincent at the Lakers training facility. And Gabe, my first question is, how do you think uh, coming from a mid major school rather than a Power Five uh, helped gear you towards success? Uh, I think it helped gear me towards success. Because I had to play multiple roles, I think. There's a little more I had to had to do uh, in order to hone my skills to help us win games or help us be competitive. Uh, and just, you know, continue to put a chip on my shoulder while I'm at this stage. 
Yeah, totally. So what skill uh, do you think you had to develop most in the G League to become an NBA caliber player? Skill I had to develop most in the G League. Um, I think I just really exhibited my defense um, as well as my shooting. Um, I shot the ball at a high clip in the G League, and I think that got me a lot of attention. And uh, from there, I was able to show that I could compete defensively at a high level as well. Yeah, totally. So what, uh, what is it about heat culture that allows players like yourself to succeed? And are there any elements of heat culture uh, that you plan on bringing to the Lakers locker room? Um, I mean, heat culture is more of just like a, a, an ideology, I guess, a mindset, an approach, uh, and something that, you know, that they, they take into everything they do each day to try to get better. So I think that aligned with something, someone who, who I was inherently already. Um, and I think, you know, we've already kind of have some of that here uh, in a different way. It might not look exactly the same, but I think everyone's working towards the same common goal. Yeah, absolutely. So um, on that uh, assist to Jimmy Butler that forced overtime in game five in Milwaukee, uh, just walk me through that whole sequence, starting from the timeout. Um, all the way to when Jimmy finishes that bucket. Yeah, from the timeout, we already kind of knew the play we run, or at least I had an idea what we'd run. Uh, we'd ran it a couple times throughout the year. Uh, kind of, you know, we have the ball. Two guys lifted, a couple guys lifted high. Had Jimmy kind of curl someone on the block and kind of throw it over the top to him. Uh, we ran it earlier in the year against Houston, I think, with a back screen, and it was a lob dunk to win the game. So the pass that I was comfortable making, the pass we'd practiced, um, I knew where Jimmy wanted the ball, and uh, was able just to deliver it to him in, in timely fashion, and he did the rest. Yeah, so so I remember, you know, when I when I was watching that, you know, my jaw was on the floor, and I you know kicked my feet back up uh, on the couch. So what what sort of emotions uh, was it like for you and your teammates? You know, doing it live rather than seeing it on TV. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's something we've done before, uh, time and time again, whether it be practice or uh, in game situation. Obviously, the playoffs are a little heightened, but. Uh, it was a great experience. It was great to find my guy in the pocket and uh, get the ball where he needed to do his job and finish the game up. Yeah, absolutely. So in, in 2020, uh, 2021, you led uh, the Nigeria national team to victory over the United States. And, you know, you were, you were the best player on the floor that game. So describe to me how you were able to be the best player on the court in a game that also featured guys like Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum. Yeah, uh, I mean, a number of guys, Bam Adebayo, a bunch of them. So a uh, talented group we played against, obviously. Um, you know, which they went on to win a gold medal, so credit to them. Uh, but I just went out there and competed. I mean, you know, my guys played hard. We had attention to detail and focus. Uh, they freed me up when they could, and I was able to take and make good shots. Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts on this year's uh, UCSB basketball team, and have you gotten to watch any of A.J. Mitchell's game? Uh, I'm excited for them. I'm excited to see uh, A.J.'s continual development, uh, to see how the year goes for him personally. Um, as well as the rest of the group and just try to, you know, watch from afar, try to stay in touch as I can. But um, obviously, you know, we always had the same goal there to get to the tournament and have success. So I know those guys are working hard each day to try to reach that ultimate goal as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what what can the Lakers look forward to most now that they have Gabe Vincent on the team? Uh, I'm just a guy that's going to go compete, man. I mean, I'm going to try to play basketball the right way, um, take open shots when I have them, uh, try to find my guys, get them involved and compete defensively. You know, I just try to do it at night in, night out and do whatever I can to help move the needle and help this team win games. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, so last question, what do you miss most about uh, Santa Barbara and UCSB? Wow, what do I miss most about Santa Barbara and SB? Probably the, the lovely combination of some blenders and Hana Kitchen. I can never go wrong. Um, a little Freebirds quesarito after 2 a.m. never hurts. Oh, yeah. I'm sure those prices are crazy now. Though. Yeah, oh, they are. Uh, but, you know, you can't go wrong. It, Santa Barbara is a special place. Isla Vista is a unique city. And yep. 
um, you know, an amazing university. Yeah, I used to, uh, I used to work at Blenders, uh, believe it or not. Uh, what, was, what was the go-to drink there? Ooh, red pineapple, I think it was red, called. Red pineapple? All I right. think it was called. All right, Quest- questionable, questionable. <laughs> I, got, I got to respect it. Um, and what, what was the go-to at Freebirds? Uh, quesarito. Quesarito. Sure. Half chicken, half steak. You know, kind of light on the cheese. Yep. It's a good order, man. I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you get down here. Yeah. Only after 2 a.m., though. Yeah. Not, not, as, not as first rodeo. No, only after 2 a.m. Yeah. All right. Um, that's all I've got for today. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Thank it means you, a lot. And, uh, yeah, thank you for watching, of course. All right. Thank you very much, Gabe. Um, you know, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, we, we, we look forward to bringing on, uh, you know, hopefully bringing him on again. Um, maybe this time live and um, hopefully, hopefully more guests and more interviews to follow uh, big things for unentitled sports and also big things for the Sacramento Kings uh, who I have at the five seed going 51 and 31. Um, I think now that, you know, spoiler alert, um, we recorded the first half of this episode before the season started. And then we took like a week and a half off and recorded the second half. The NBA season has now started. Um, and a lot of people, you know, are really high on the Kings. Um, and I don't know if I'm as high, but I, I do believe in them. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, last year they proved everyone that they're actually a good team and they're capable of winning a ton of regular season games. I think that it's partially because they have, two or three players that have a super high motor, right? De'Aaron Fox, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, I would argue Malik Monk also has a very high motor. And these are guys who are actually capable of giving their all for 82 games. And that's that's good enough in the NBA to win a ton of regular season games, especially yeah. with the current state of load management and aging stars in the league. So yeah, I, I can absolutely see them passing 50 wins this year. I would argue they might even get a little bit more um, the only thing that I could see taking them back a step this year versus last year is, is Malik Monk, right? Like he sort of, um, played at a level that was the Malik Monk that we all expected, right? That, that we all expected out of the draft. This is the peak. This is as good as Malik Monk can possibly be. We saw in so many different situations last, last year, the year before, the year before that, how Malik Monk was, was really at best, like an average guard, um, with like this potential for more. Uh, so if he starts really stepping back and he is solidly their second best guard on that team, then we could maybe see a little bit of regression. Uh, in any case, I think they're good enough to win 50 games. I like this assessment. Yeah. And I think, I think the Kings are pretty, um, monk regression proof, um, because they have Kevin Herter and they bring Malik Monk off the bench. Um, now, granted, he's on the floor when they're closing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think you can say like, oh, yeah, this team's potential Achilles heel is their sixth man. Um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Shit. I don't know. I mean, Shit. I just I feel like I feel like he's he's solidified himself in Sacramento, right yeah. to Sacramento, to the coaching staff, to the fans. He is this guy, right? He is yeah. this very capable scorer who is fast, who's like a not a bad defender. Like that's what they think of him. And I still have the perception of him as the Malik Monk that we've seen in, in the past, which is <laughs> very inconsistent, right? Yeah. And we've seen how Jordan Poole blew games for the for the Warriors, you know, like having a player in that you think is better than they actually are can sometimes affect you. So that's that's I, I still think they're a good team. Absolutely. I, you know, I don't I think that even if you get the worst version of Malik Monk, this is a good team. But I could see them dropping some games if Malik Monk regresses back to what we've seen. Interesting. 
Never, never did I think we would get to the day where Malik Monk is the X factor for a for a for a good for the player. Sacramento Kings. Yeah, right? Yeah. What the fuck win. are we talking about? Imagine, imagine some just a year ago. Imagine someone hearing hearing that that conversation <laughs> we just had. Uh, yeah. What a time! Um, up next, I have the Memphis Grizzlies finishing forty nine and thirty three. Um, my thing with Memphis is I think last year was their year to take a step forward. You know, two years ago. Um, you know, they, they really built this great platform, this great foundation, this great launch pad, um, and for them to take off from last year and they kind of didn't, um, and by the end of the season, the wheels sort of seemed like they were falling off in Memphis. Um, cause John Morant was getting as much trouble as he was getting in. Dylan Brooks was humiliating himself and his team as much as he was. And, um, and yeah, now Brooks is gone and Morant is suspended for 25 games. Um, I like them going to get uh, going and getting Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart is the perfect Memphis Grizzlies player. Um, and yes, with that, he is now the most insufferable player in the NBA. <laughs> um, I already yes. like him, and I already didn't like uh, the players that the Memphis Grizzlies turned people into. <laughs> um, so now that Marcus Smart is on the Memphis Grizzlies, it's the perfect storm of insufferability. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's taking what's perfect for us is that he's taking Chris Paul, right? He's taking that spot. We got Chris Paul, so we can't hate him anymore. We have to love him, you know, yeah. no matter how terrible, you we know. Still have a villain. We get we get Marcus Smart as the guy who can be that insufferable character yeah. who might just, you know, push someone on the court type of thing. Um, Steven Adams is out for the season this year. Yes. And so jo- Brandon- John Morant is going to be He's going to be missing the first 25 games of the season. Yeah. Well, and keep in mind, last year, predictions before Steven Adams went out for the year. Yes. Yes. Very understandable. So, Brandon, um, Brandon Clark breakout season incoming. I, I highly doubt that. <laughs> but, but now we got, you know, 25 games without John Morant, the whole season without Steven Adams. Last year without John Morant, they were still a very good team. Um, they actually outperformed themselves when they had John Morant for so, the last two years. For the last two years. And I don't think that that is going to, stay um that's going to happen again without Steven Adams he's a very 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 integral part of that team and once you take out one piece to a team that's already down a piece you are now looking at a roster that's you know a bunch of a bunch of guys who are unproven who um we don't know if if they can play defense right at the level that they've been able to play defense uh so I I definitely see the Grizzlies slipping a lot this year uh, I'm not going to say that they're going to be a below 500 team. I don't think that that's going to happen, but I think that they can be a lot closer to 500. However, come playoff time, you're basically just dealing with minus Steven Adams, right? You got, you got a very good Grizzlies team that has been proven and been working for the last two years from that, that base that you mentioned to get a lot better. So come playoff time. I mean, you know, I, I think that they're a team that you cannot count out isn't in the first round of the playoffs, but do I expect them to be a high seed? Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, this, this Grizzlies team is still good. They were good last year, and they were good the year before. Um, they still win a lot of games. That's what they do. Um, but, yeah, you know, that, that team without Steven Adams, still pretty good. That team without Steven Adams and John Morant, yeah. not, not very good. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like those, those 25 games without John Morant are going to be a slug. You know, it's like your best players are – Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, and Jaron Jackson. You know, it's like those are all good players, but like every NBA team has good players today. Look at the West. If you're coming into the West with Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, and Jaron Jackson, 
you're fucked. You're like, yeah. like that's, that's the roster. That's not even as good as the Portland trailblazers in my opinion. Right. A team that, that just picked up, they have Jeremy Grant, they have Deandre and they have uh Shaden Sharp and they have um, Brogdon and Scoot, Scoot Henderson, like Malcolm Brogdon, Brogdon too. Like yeah. to me, that's a better team. Right. If you're just taking guy by guy. So uh, very tough going for the beginning. Yeah. Um, you're right. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be a tough 25 games to start the season for the Grizzlies. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's going to really going to be a testament to their, 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 uh, their grit and their fortitude and, you know, their, their uh, maturity, um, which the Grizzlies have not proven to have a lot of, um, but we'll see, prove me wrong, Memphis. Um, um, so up next, I have the LA Clippers um, being 47 and 25 as the seven seed at this point. You know, I finally think everyone feels about the Clippers the way I've felt about them the past couple of years. They're not that good. They're not that healthy. They're too top heavy and they're not going to get it done. And I felt that way for a while. And now I feel like everyone sort of agrees with me. Yeah. I mean, people have have relished in the losses of the Clippers, you know, because people get really hyped on them at the beginning of the year. And then and people like you um who see this team i think for what it is by the end of the season when they get swept in the first round or they they lose in the second round in an embarrassing fashion then everyone shits on them uh because you know they're exposed i think that they're going to be exposed probably a lot more this year obviously the injuries we all know about that um <clears throat> you have them at 47 and 25 i might have them a little bit lower assuming that some sort of injuries happen and just also knowing that outside of uh, their top two guys you know, they're not super talented. Um, next, you have the Thunder. We can get into that. But I would put the Thunder above the Clippers. Yeah. Well, well. next, I actually have a three-way tie for the 8, 9, and 10 seeds. Uh, just, to, just to make things fun. You know, is, it, <laughs> is that actually going to happen? Probably not. Do we like to have fun? Yes, we do. Um, so I have a three-way tie for the 8, 9, and 10, all finishing 42 and 40. I have the Thunder, Timberwolves, and Pelicans. So let's sort of lump this all together. Um, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to talk about each team specifically, but which which teams do you expect to be better and worse out of that group? Uh, yeah, great question. I like this group here. Um, I see the Pelicans potentially taking a step up. I see the Timberwolves taking a step down. Um, the Timberwolves have been have been reliant on Anthony Edwards to make that jump for a long time now. And Cat seemingly has peaked. He's plateaued. He doesn't come up in big moments when we need him to. We've seen this for years and years and years. I don't expect that to change this year. So barring a, an incredible change from Anthony Edwards or Rudy Gobert learning how to shoot, unlikely, um, <laughs> then I don't think that the Timberwolves are going to be a very good team. I can see them finishing below 500. I think they're down. Pelicans, Zion Williamson, everyone forgot about Zion Williamson. There's a reason why, obviously. I think he's played like, 10 or 12 games in his entire fucking career. Yeah. I like, would say like understand, understandably so. Like, yes, absolutely. If there's one player you're going to forget about, it's probably the guy who doesn't actually play. But I think that this is the year. I'm pretty sure he's coming up towards the end of his contract. Uh, he's going to ball out. I think this team at the beginning of last year was that standout team. I think right. at one point they were, the, they were like the number one or number two seed yeah. in the West yeah. when they're like healthy and they're playing together, especially with Zion. I think this is a really good team. So yeah. I, I yeah, put the Pelicans above uh, the Timberwolves. You know, I put them right there in playoff contention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think the Pelicans are a good team when healthy. Um, 
you know, they've got Zion, who's statistically one of the best players to play NBA in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, CJ McCollum, who's quietly gotten 20 a game for eight years in a row. They have mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram, who's great. They have Valanchunas, who is a more than capable fourth best player on your team. Um, I'm not sure who their point guard is. Jose Alvarado, maybe. Jose Alvarado. He plays a little bit. Yeah, he plays defense. You know, it's like they don't need him to play offense because they have those four other guys who can do it. Um, but here's yeah, the Herb thing. Jones. Herb Jones is an absolutely yes. versatile defender and, and getting a lot better. Yeah, I think McCollum can play point if they need him to. So, yeah, this Pelicans team is very good when healthy, but it's like I don't think they should be given the benefit of the doubt when they haven't earned it in the same way that the Clippers haven't earned the benefit of the doubt or, you know, other teams that get hurt every year uh, get the benefit of don't get the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think of these three teams, the Pelicans are probably have the highest ceiling um, and probably have the best group of the best roster, um, which, you know, that's pretty important. Um, Yeah. I also agree what you said about Minnesota. Um, I think, I think, you know, in today's Western conference, being good, isn't good enough. You know, like they have have Ant and Cat. Those are good players. Every team has good players. Um, unless you're unless you're tanking um and you know being good isn't good enough and i think i think the timberwolves are a great example of that um outside of cat and um anthony edwards who else do they really have rudy gobert oh fuck rudy gobert who yeah um yeah yeah i just i just don't i i don't like the the way this timberwolves team is built um you know not really good guard play um, unless unless you count Anthony Edwards as a guard, I don't know if I do. Anthony Edwards is a guard, but I think you got you got clogged paint. You have yeah. one one guard who's actually a slasher mainly. Right, and he's a wing, I think. You know, yeah, he's more more of a wing, yeah. And yeah. he he can't really get in, get involved in the paint um, because of the two seven footers you have down there. It's a it's a clusterfuck in my opinion. Um, I do want to get into a couple of these lower seated guys that you have right here. Or yeah, um, any, anything on the Thunder. Yeah, on the Thunder, up and up, right? We got Chet Holmgren. Yeah. I'm just uh, very excited. Him, what was that? I'm just hyped on him. I I like Shea. I like yeah. I like Giddy. I like Lou Dort. I like I like the two Williamses. I yeah. I, don't, I don't really like Chet, honestly. But um, but I, I the, the the Thunder are a fun team to root for. So I'm gonna root for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is you know this is kind of one of the last years that we're gonna get of the Thunder not being an actually really good team because we're coming up on the time when it's like, okay, we have pieces. We have yes, these this, guys. This is the first year. This is the first year the Thunder could be good and could make and, and in a couple of years, they're undoubtedly going to take those draft picks that they have right now, package yeah. them with one of the guys, one of the Williams, you know, or or one of these other young players that they have and go out and get some really good players. Yeah, so honest, um, you know <laughs> yes, an exciting, an exciting team. And if you're a Thunders fan, you should pay attention to this year, because if you're not paying attention to this year, you're going to be called a bandwagon when, uh, I don't know, when Kawhi Leonard signs there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well said. All right. So let's, let's speed this up a little bit. So I've got Dallas at 11, Houston at 12, Utah at 13, San Antonio at 14, Portland at 15. Um, I really only have something to say about Dallas and Portland um, with, with <laughs> Dallas. Um I, I don't think they got better, you know, and what happened to them last year is going to happen to them this year, except now they have 82 games of worth of Kyrie Irving's bullshit instead of just, you know, post trade deadlines worth 
And it's like, it's the same team. You know, you have maybe the best backcourt in the West and the worst front court in the NBA. You know, it's like, if you're still, you know, it's like this team, this is the third season in a row where this team has tried to make uh, Maxi Kleber and, and Dwight Powell uh, yeah. playoff, playoff starters. And it's not going to work. It, it will not work. Um, and, and yeah, so this Dallas team is just as stinky as they were last year. And um, I just want to respond to what you said about Portland a couple of minutes ago. Um, I do, I do think that they're more talented than the 15 seed. I really do. Um, Cause you know, they, they've got good players like, you know, um, Aiton and Rob Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Scoot, Sharp, Anthony Simons, um, Jeremy Grant. Those are good players. And it's, you know, you're, you know, and they they have a great bench, Um, you know, whichever one of those couple of pieces they decide to bring off the bench. That's an incredible bench, but I, I don't really expect this team to click because, you know, you're putting together sort of this mishmash of pieces that you got as a, you know, you know, th- this team, this isn't the result of a team that was built. This is the result of a team that was, you know, demolished. Um, and and they are going to have to rebuild it. Um, and it's, yeah, so I don't really think this team was put together with the intent of being good and winning games. I don't really think they're going to try that hard to get the most out of their pieces. I think they're finally embracing the rebuild and they're not going to push this team to be as successful as it could be. I don't think it's, you know, built with a whole lot of precision and care and in- intentionality as it is. Um, so that's why I have Portland as low as they do. I don't think it's a slight on their players. I actually think they have good players. Um, I just don't think that this franchise is really going for it right now. Wow. Imagine how they would feel if they knew that you just said that, given that you just met them like last week. I just meet them. I did just meet Say them. Right to their faces. You are the worst team in the West. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I didn't, I didn't slam the players I interviewed and I didn't slam the coach I, I interviewed. True. That is very, true. Very That's how you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, um, so speaking of that, um, this is the part that I want you guys to listen to what I learned uh, speaking with the Portland Trailblazers. Let's take a look. Thoughts on the trade? Obviously, we haven't got a chance to talk to you since you're down. What, what, are you, what do you think about it? What have you thought so far? Yeah, I just realized it's a business. Uh, obviously, coming into another great opportunity. You know, um, great team, great guys, great coaching staff. It's been a uh, great energy. It's been fun since our guy. How would you kind of how would you sum up the first day of practice? Um, it was just kind of a learning stage. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Helping me and Malcolm get, you know, acclimated, um, really helping all of us learn, you know, kind of so young. Like I said, we got to lean on each other, trust each other. So it's a lot of um, a lot of hidden key points, you know, uh, played a little bit at the end, got after it a little bit. More of a learning project for sure. Did it make it easier coming with another teammate? Um, I mean, yeah, you can say that, you know, uh, I feel like no trade is easy, you know what I'm saying, especially your first one. But uh, I got my dog with me, so it was a little bit. Were you pretty disappointed that you got traded? Sounds like maybe you were a little shocked by it. Uh, I mean, I feel like everybody is. You know, uh, when, uh, when the first trade happens, but, uh, like I said, I'm pretty content with knowing it's a business. You know, I got uh, got love for all those guys back there on that side always and uh, on the new beginning. What is Chauncey said he wants from you? Um, Be myself, man. You know, uh, be myself, be a leader, be vocal, you know, and encourage these guys. You had, you had any conversations about starting, coming off the bench, kind of what you were thinking? Nah, nah, I haven't got that far, but you know me, man. I'm uh, I'm here for it all, so whatever whatever you need me to do. What have your first impressions been of Scoot? 
Oh, motherfucking fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's try that again. Man, nah, he fast as hell, man. Uh, just watching him on defense, uh, his intensity. Even just looking at his eyes sometimes when, when Malcolm was dribbling the ball, looking at his eyes, and, you know, the focus that he had, it was crazy. So, it's going to be great, bro. This team has needed length. It's needed some vets. It's needed people to protect the rim. I'm sure Chauncey has mentioned that to you a little bit, right? Like, we need you to be a dog down there? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. We got a, uh, shit, we got a couple seven-footers, it looked like. But, um, yeah, this just goes back to him telling me to be myself, man, you know, uh, protect their rim. First thing they did to me was uh, break down the defensive coverage, you know, uh, let me know where I'd be, where I could be vocal at, where, you know, I can carry the team. Man, so. Did you get a lob today from Scoot? Uh, did I? Kind of do nah, a lob count. I got a couple of, uh, couple of them from uh, Ant, not yeah, from okay. Scoot, yeah. Okay. Obviously, you know, the Celtics and the Blazers are kind of in different places right now in, in their growth. Kind of... What's your thoughts on that coming from a team? You know, you guys were in the finals. Now you're coming to a team that's kind of looking to build something. Yeah, um, you know, you just, you're hoping to be able to spread the knowledge, you know, a little bit or spread, you know, what I know is, and, you know, vice versa, learn from these guys. So it's kind of give-give situation for sure. You're kind of one of the vets on this team now. Going, <laughs> going from, like, like in Boston, you had, like, Horford and Tatum and, like, all for Jalen, all these guys. Now it's, like, you, Jeremy, Brogdon, and Aiton. That you're kind of one of the vets. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's still surreal, if I'm gonna be honest with you. But um, like I said, man, it's just owning that leadership role. Uh, like Coach said, stepping into it, becoming a leader. Where are you at right now? Is physically like health-wise, everything. All right? Yeah, I'm feeling good for sure. Feeling good. Improving defensively is something this team has talked about for a couple seasons, uh, and I think you're a guy who, who's known, at least in part of this year, your defensive abilities. What do you feel like you might be able to bring to this team in terms of the Um. Just guidance a little bit, man. You know, um, like I said, we're such a young team. I'm young myself. You know, I consider myself young still <laughs> a little bit. But um, just the guidance, man, of just um, chirping in their ears, you know, just correcting certain things. Like I said, them correcting me too goes a long way. You said you had your dog with you? Uh, yeah, Malcolm. That's my dog. Uh, that's right. Yeah, okay, that dog. dog. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I uh, didn't want to parse the criminal. What kind of dog is Malcolm? Malcolm. <laughs> that, that's the, that kind of dog. He uh he just ever since he came to the Celtics, you know man, he always um he I always, literally thought we were talking yeah, about a dog. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I said I brought my dog, it was, it was MB. MB is not a dog, bro. He's not okay, a dog. She's not ooh puppy talk. No. <laughs> if he was a dog, what dog would he be? Oh, uh, I ain't gonna do Malcolm like that. I can't do Malcolm like that. I love him too much. But yes, I do have a press of canario. It'll probably, he'll probably make his way down here in the next couple of weeks for sure. We'll talk then. Uh, Thank you. What is your favorite aspect uh, of UCSB's campus or just the Santa Barbara area in general? Honestly, I haven't been here long enough to, uh, it's my first day. I haven't been here to uh, check it out. Give me like two more days. Maybe I can yeah, yeah. No more. rush, no rush. <laughs> Thank you. That's hilarious. overwhelming or how are you feeling right now? No, I feel good. Um, you know, apart from being away from my family, um, my babies and stuff, and, you know, my wife, and I'm, I'm in a good place. Um, you know, I think this is a really good environment so far, and um, I got a lot of belief in, in Chauncey and what he's doing here, and, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in good spirit. You said you have faith in Chauncey. Sounds like he has faith in you as well. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit more about that relationship? Yeah, you know, a few summers ago we did, um, uh, you know, the NBA Africa trip, 
together, um, and we spent some good time together. He was in Egypt, and that's where I really got to know him. He worked me out a few times. Uh, you know, fast forward a few, a few years later, you know, I'm playing for him. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a special opportunity for a big guard like me to be able to play for a legend, a Hall of Famer, you know, a guy of his stature. Um, and then to be a part of something that he's building from the ground up, I think it's, I think it's an awesome uh, experience to be a part of. Uh, kind of on that note, you know, you're coming from a team where you know, lost a title contender, you're playing a big role on that team, too, whereas to here it's like it's mostly kids and you're basically one of the only adults really on the team and you're like, I mean, that, that's, that's their words. That's what Chauncey and Jogo said. But like, how, like, how do you kind of feel about going from being like, you know, a main you know contributor on a title contending team to kind of being the vet, the veteran on such a young team is that well something? I think it I think it really prepared me I think it prepares me for a situation like this with all the experience I've gained in my you know seven eight years and then playing for championship caliber teams to come to a team with young stars multiple young stars on this team and a and a coach that's I think really doing things the right way that the guys I think really admire and respect um, so I think it's a great situation for me as a vet to step in and really lead and, and, you know, take a leadership role. What do you think of Scoot? I think he's special. I mean, uh, you know, he's everybody's seen him play, you know, up, up to this point. I think he's going to have a special first year, but I think he's going to be a special player in this NBA. Um, biggest thing I've, I've, I've observed from him is not really his talent. I think he's incredibly talented. I, I think he's actually extremely coachable and humble, and that goes way further than your talent in this league. And then once you pair him, and you, you know, you learn the speed of the game, and, you know, you find the team that really values you, man, you can you can be a, a special dynamic player for a long time. So I think he has potential to do that. What did you? What can you tell us about Rob having played with him for a full season in Boston? Oh, uh, he, he's unique. Um, there are not really many players in the NBA with his skill set, his shot blocking ability. Um, he's incredibly coachable. He's a great teammate. Um, and then you know he's a he's a high IQ guy on offense. Can pass the ball. Can finish at the rim. Um, has a great feel for the game. So that's a that's a unique skill set. Do you hope to eventually end up in maybe a more adult situation that we talked about and trying to get on a contender, or do you expect to be here for a while? Look, you know, I, you know, I've had uh, conversations, uh, you know, with the with the Blazers front office and with Chauncey. Um, they want me here. Um, I want to be here. So, you know, this is this is something. You know, a lot of people. There's a lot of uh, misleading information out there about mm-hmm. you know they're going to tra- they need to trade me or I want to go to a you know. Right now, I'm trying to make the most of my opportunity. That's really what it is. And, you know, right now, it's assuming a leadership role with these young guys, and I'm embracing that. I'm embracing being here where I am right. God had me here for a reason, so I'm embracing right now. We've got quite a few questions about this. Why did you pick 92? That's the year I was born. Well, that's so, so the only number that was available was 19. That was under 20. Um, and that number's so random. So I was like, man, if I can't get, like, 10 or 11, the numbers that I've wanted, um, I might as well pick something else that's meaningful. So I picked 92. You talk about leadership, too. Stepping into a new situation, how do you be a leader in that situation? Because I think guys look to you, obviously, you have gravitas, you're well-known within the league. How do you kind of step into a new situation and assume a leadership role like that? Just for me, be yourself. Uh, You know, with these young guys and NBA players in general, they they really see through, you know, BS. They see through, you know, not being authentic, not being yourself. So um, being myself, man, I, I feel like I'm a leader at heart. Um, I learned a lot from my Indiana days being with young guys, but this team's even younger. Um, but now I'm, you know, three, four years past those days. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm better suited for this position now at this point in my career. I can still play. I can still go. But, um, you know, I, I, I look forward to, to doing this with these guys. I know it's a long time in the future, but have you ever thought about what you're going to do after? Because I think you should maybe 
be a broadcaster. Oh, <laughs> in a great uh, voice. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I try not to look that far ahead, but I de- I'm definitely not going to be playing forever. So, um, you know, it's you know my, my options are open. Radio, your choice. Where, are you, where are you at health wise physically right now? You're 100%. I'm 100%. I feel great. Um, I don't know if y'all watched me today. I got through the whole training we camp. Don't, I feel great. We don't get to watch. <laughs> we don't get to watch. I, I feel good, though. Yeah. I feel good. Thank you. Thank you. Your first time out here in Santa Barbara training with Portland. What are your first impressions on UC Santa Barbara? So I actually came out here um, my second year in the league uh, with Milwaukee for training camp. Um, so this is my second time here. But now, that, I mean, the, everything was moving so fast when I was young. Um, but now everything's slowed down. I'm, you know, I'm one of the vets on the team. Now I can actually just enjoy it, enjoy the moment, enjoy the weather, um, and just the experience overall. Thank you, welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks, what were your first impressions of the two new guys? Uh, I was obviously very impressed. I mean, a guy like Malcolm, I mean, he brings so much, um, I mean, just stability and, 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 and poise and just a grown-up, you know? Played a long time. Uh, played some important basketball. He just brings a calmness to you. So uh, just what I thought without knowing. But um, and then Rob, I mean, shoot man, just he's he's just a big active, high motor athlete man who, who impacts the rim on both sides of the of the floor. Man, he did both of them today. You know when we played and stuff. So. It was fun, man. It was, it was exciting seeing him out there. You said something the other day about you already have some sort of a relationship with Malcolm, and you actually know, like, how, like where did that, like, how did you guys first meet? Like, where, like, where, how far back is that? Come? Yeah, a friend of mine who uh, uh, works in the front office in uh, Milwaukee when they had when they first got Malcolm, uh, wanted me to like, you know, just kind of talk to him, and we kind of talked a lot you know about the situations and the game and the mental aspect of it and then we spent some time last summer not this summer the past summer we did basketball without borders together in Egypt and uh, I spent time there I worked them out a couple times while we were there just talking through some stuff so we've been knowing each other for a little while there are so many good reasons to pick from, but what brings the Blazers to Santa Barbara? Man, just take a walk outside. You can answer that question. I mean, we uh, we live in a beautiful city, obviously, in Portland, but we don't see this type of sunshine all the time and get to see this water. Um, and I, I'm a big, you know, proponent of, like, taking camp away from the norm. And uh, we had such an amazing time last year. So well, let's see if we can run it back. So what's your favorite aspect of either campus or just the Santa Barbara uh, area in general? I like the golf. Yeah, good choice. So there's no coincidence that we're staying right next to the Sandpiper. Chuck, yeah. <laughs> have you thought a lot about how you might integrate both Malcolm and, and Rob into the units? Uh, obviously, I think you're probably working through the entire roster right now. But I'm curious, those two guys specifically had a chance to kind of think a little deeper about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure those type of things you think about as soon as the trade is sure, happens, yeah. you know. Um, and the biggest thing about both of them are you, you, you'll know more the more you see them play together, you know. Um, we can sit here and say, yeah, this guy can play with that guy and they're going to be great together and this and that. And we can get them out here and that not be the case. So a lot of these decisions and a lot of these things – they play out on their own, you know. Um, 
scrimmage and you go through stuff and see who's connected with who and who has energy and chemistry with who. But I can't tell you that, you know, until it happens, until they go through it. Have you talked to them at all about the aspect of going from a contender to a rebuilding team mm-hmm. and sort of how they mm-hmm. view that? I have, of course, of course I have, all of them. DA, uh, Malcolm, you know, Rob, all of them. I mean, it's an important conversation, you know, it's totally different, you know. Uh, and they all, you know, seem to be on board with just having a great opportunity and having a fresh start and, you know, being a part of what we're doing. You know, they, they love the opportunity that we have. So, of course, I've definitely had those conversations. Did you have that? With you? I can't remember. Um, nah, when I got traded to uh, when I got traded to Denver, they were a playoff team, you know, and stuff. They just hadn't been out of the first round. And then when I went, you know, pretty much got taken off amnesty by the Clippers. Um, they weren't in the playoffs yet either, but they still they had a lot of. Blake was young. Chris had came along with the day after me in the trade, so we turned it around pretty quickly, but. I just think it's crazy that, you know, you can have one, talk about the athleticism of our fives, but these guys are 25 years old, both of them played in the NBA Finals. It's incredible. So just the experience that they have that they can bring to our team, man, it's, it's, it, it, it's going to mean a ton. The other the, the other rookies besides Scoot, Ryan, Chris, and Kamara, how have they looked so far? Good, man. Um, you know, I, I, I've been very impressed with Tumani. You know, he's um, he's just a basketball player, man. You know, he just, he just he's in the right places. He's, without talking to him, the first very first scrimmage yesterday, he was picking up Ant full court. Um, he just got a good feel about him, you know, and a toughness about him that I was, I was pretty impressed with, you know. And I think Roops, uh, man, he's made a big, he, he's learned a lot in about three months. You know, um, he's gonna come. A, he's gonna come a long way pretty quickly. So I've been happy with him as well. How's Matisse look in that small oh, forward row? Man, Matisse has looked so good, man. I mean, he's just a wizard out there, man. He's all over the place. I, I'm telling you, you can barely even complete a pass around this dude. He's getting deflection, steal. He's knocking it out of bounds. I'm like, this dude. Is just, <laughs> he, he's an artist, man. So he's look really good. Great shape. And that's something you guys need. I mean, there's a lot of talk about yeah. the whole small four position. And people want to see certain yeah. players, young players play. But you want guys out there who know how to play NBA defense at a veteran high level, right? Yeah, you, you need it, man. You need it. Especially now having, um, you know, with that athleticism that we have at the five and being able to protect the rim. And you want guys that can pressure, you know, and, and speed guys up, you know, on the floor. So... That's how we want to play on both sides of the floor. So he can kind of speed you up and he's all over the place. And before you know it, you're right there taking a shot on the big guys. You know, so Matisse is so good that way. The thought of Matisse, Grant, Robert, Aiden in a defensive situation, does that get you pretty giddy? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. That, that, that sounds so like so much fun, you know, uh, just to be able to have that type of size and athleticism on the floor. Speed. I tell my guys mindset. all the time. Yeah, yeah, I tell my guys all the time. I mean, being young and fast and athletic, that just is not on one side of the floor. You 
know, everybody want to talk about his lives and this and that. No, <laughs> it works on the other side too. Right. You know, so it's exciting. Thank you guys. Thank Thanks, you. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, coach. All right. Thank you, Portland Trailblazers. Thank you, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Chauncey Billups. Um, insightful as always. Um, and I think for time's sake, we're going to skip over most of the playoff matchups just because it's like, you know, not only is it hard to predict who's going to win, but it's hard to predict who's who you're even going to see there. So I just think, you know, I'll, I'll let you take a look if you see anything interesting, Lucas. But but the short and sweet version is I have the Bucks defeating the Suns in the finals. And I also have um, the Celtics and the Warriors making it to the conference finals. Um, anything else that you want to add, any, you know, either from your own head or what you're seeing on the screen? Well, I'd like to give my finals prediction as well. I mean, just looking at yours here, you know, you got the Suns beating the Warriors in seven, uh, Bucks beating the Celtics in seven. That's a great matchup. I think that's probably the the most surefire thing that we can say is that the yeah, Eastern yeah, Conference Bucks, is probably going to be the Bucks versus finals, the Celtics. Yeah. Um, I like that too. I probably would also have the same thing. I do think those two teams are the best teams in the NBA, and that is going to be the de facto NBA finals. If, if yeah, the, if the Bucks meet the Celtics and they're both as good as they're supposed to be, that'll be the de facto finals. I very much disagree with that because my NBA finals, I have the Denver Nuggets going back to back, beating the Boston Celtics in the finals. And I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay on this hill, man. The Denver Nuggets are the best team in basketball and they're going to win the most regular season games. They are going to breeze through the playoffs again, and they're going to win their second championship in a row. Um, I like write it down, write it down, put it on a billboard, let everyone know about it. Whiteboard behind you. (laughs) I've got it right here. I might just write it down afterwards. Um, The Nuggets are going back to back. I don't think it's really a question. Uh, That's all I have to say. All right. Yeah. I mean, I already said my spiel on the Nuggets in part one. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I, I think they're a good enough team to win a championship, but those teams that win back-to-back championships are the teams that you talk about for a long, long time, and they're the best of the best. I don't know if they're there yet. Um, All right. The only award I want to um, I want to bring up is, is or my prediction is uh, I've got, it's, I don't want this to happen, but I think the league wants it to happen. I have Jason oh, no. MVP. Oh fuck! <laughs> I know, it's it's time. Actually, oh, no. actually, you know what? No, Luca, Luca needs his MVP. I'm there. You go. Him. That's that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. It really depends on the Mavericks. I think based on your standings right now, you can't really have yeah, Luca I can't, because I can't, they're they're not gonna give the MVP to a ten seed. They're not going to. But Jason Tatum, man, he's just not the MVP. He's, he's not. not the best no, I agree. I do not think. <laughs> let me get this thing. I do not think Jason Tatum is the MVP. But I do think the NBA will award the MVP to Jason Tatum. Okay. All right. All right. Let, let's make that clarification now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, now that the league has given their MVP to Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid, they're done. They're done with them. Um, now, now they're going to look for a way. They, they, they want to give it to Luka first, but the Mavericks aren't good enough this year. Um, so they're going to give it to Tatum. That's my prediction. MVP. My MVP prediction. Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic. Going for number three. All right. All right. That that's not a terrible pick. All right. So now um in, in the last couple minutes that we have, let's just talk about the top. Well, actually, let's start from the top and just get as far as we can. Um, this is this is the top players I have in the NBA. Uh let's go one through five first. Number one, Jokic, number two, Giannis, 
Number three, I've still got Kevin Durant. Number four is Steph Curry. And number five is Luka Doncic. You know, I really like your top five here. I think these guys are hard to debate that these are, are the top five guys here. Um, some people might put Kevin Durant a little bit lower, uh, yeah. Luka Doncic a little bit higher. And um, Steph Curry, I've seen him at, kind of at the bottom of this top five in a lot of, in a lot of places. Uh, Jokic and Giannis are the top two players in the league. They're, they're, you those have, two are in a league of their own. Yes. And uh, who you have at number six is who most people would probably have at number three. I personally don't. So I agree yeah. with you here. I wouldn't. Yeah. I would not put Embiid at, you know, the top, the top three. Um, I don't think Embiid is better than Kevin Durant or Luka Doncic or Steph Curry. Or Steph Curry. Yeah. I, 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 I agree. And that's why I don't have him higher than them. Um, I do have Embiid at number six and then uh, LeBron at number seven. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, LeBron is still, you know, here's the thing. If you can be the, the seventh best player in the NBA at 39 years old, that's that's not an insult. That's a compliment. That's that's a compliment. That's something to be proud of. Um, LeBron James is, is still incredible. He's just slightly worse than the LeBron James of two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, and he's he's still the seventh best player in the NBA. Um, so I, I don't say that to insult or slight LeBron James. I say that to you know as as a testament to how how good of a career he's had and how good of a player he's been for 20 years um and then then uh i think there's a you know i have jason tatum at eight um you know he's i don't think he's quite in that top seven tier yet but i think he's a decent bit better than everyone else um i have jimmy butler at nine damian lillard at 10 um what do you think about that before we get before we get a little further uh, I like it a lot. Jimmy Butler is the only person that I might put a little bit lower. I think Jason Tatum and Damian Lillard are kind of the two next guys here. I would argue Anthony Davis is better than Jimmy Butler. Um, but, 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 you know, I'm not hating it. I kind of have Jimmy around the same range, 10 to 12. Uh, AD, I see what we'll get to AD, but you do have him a little bit low for my taste. Um, AD. I still think, especially based on his playoff performance last year, Anthony Davis uh, can be by the end of this year, a top 10 player. Yeah. I'm actually going to make a change real quick. Um, so yeah. So now I have Devin Booker at 11 and Anthony Davis at 12. Um, and then I have SGA at 13. He was, you know, it's, it's hard to make noise in Oklahoma city, but he quietly put up 35 and five on like 50% shooting. And that's great. Yeah. No SGA. He's him. He's, he's really, really, really good. Uh, and I think people are going to start respecting him a lot more once the Thunder start winning a lot more games. Yes. Um, yes. 13 is some respect, though, for sure. So so this is kind of the ranking that we get. Like, this is like the high end I see for, for Shea. You know, there's probably still some people who don't think that he's as good as, as 13. Um, but I really like Shea. I'm high on Shea. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you putting I'm, him at 13 is okay stock. with me. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm Shea Stock. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, Number 14, I have I have Donovan Mitchell, and I'm a big Donovan Mitchell fan because he gets better every year and people don't talk about it. You know, every year he gets a little bit better than he was the year before, and people are like, all right, you know, that this year was just kind of like he hit his ceiling. He's not going to get better again, and he does. Um, mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell had, his, had the best year of his career last year, and it seems like every year he has the best year of his career, um, and he is in charge of a really good Cleveland team. Um, and uh, 
And, uh, and yeah, I, I really like what he does. I really like how he keeps getting better and I'm excited to see what he does again. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. I'm, me too. Very excited for Donovan Mitchell. All right. So, uh, due, due to time constraints, um, we're, uh, we're going to do the top 15. So the 15th best player I have in the league is Trey young. Trey young is one of those players that, uh, really got like underrated last year. And then everyone started saying he's underrated. Um, and, um, and yeah, and I think 15 is a, is a proper rating for him. He's really, really good at offense. Um, you know, he, two years ago, he led the league in total points and total assists. That's ridiculous. Um, and, and yeah, he, he's a guy whose offense alone can win you games. Um, it can't quite win championships yet with his question marks on defense, but Trey young is one of the best offense, you know, his, his offense has, you know, no no answers um, yeah if you're a defense and that, that's, that's true hard. that's true trey young is very very good at offense um i'm not a huge trey young guy you know i don't think that you can build a championship around trey young i've said this many times um you have a couple guys 16 and 17 just a little preview you know just like just to, to dip everyone in here 16 is Kawhi. 17 is Ja morant uh down at 21 is zion williamson i'm very high on zion williamson i would if i was making a list i would have zion above trey young um i'm basing this off of what they did last year oh yeah well, i mean if you're basing on what they did last year you should have on it or the, the, the sorry let me let me let me reshape that the position they're in going into this year yeah based on what zion did last year he's not in a, you know the position they're coming into this year i'm not I can't, I can't i can't put him in that top 20 all right all right understandable understandable i also would probably still have Kawhi. uh potentially John Morant once he comes back uh, above Trey Young. Just, just one year ago, I had Kawhi in that, in that top tier. And I had John Morant in the same tier as Jason Tatum. Um, But I, I'm not a fan of what they did in the last year. And I think that puts them in a position uh, this year to where like it, it won't get better. Um, So that, that's why I have them where I do. All right. Um, all right, that is all the time we have for today. 